2: Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at SuperTalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. A cold, gray, sometimes rainy, raw day in Mississippi. Well, we don't have some of the snow that has, uh, plagued areas to our north and west. So, which is a all shame. All, I guess, I guess. If it's going to be this cold, then snow. Yeah, but that just kind of brings all of... I, like, I'm with you. I love the snow. I really do. But I don't know. I've kind of transitioned out of winter. It's like, let's let's just warm it on up, get ready for some baseball season, and, and keep on rolling. But probably not time for that just quite yet, you know, yeah, being it's that it's January, January 25th in uh, in Mississippi. Um, today might not be the best day for golf at Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, but you're certainly going to have beautiful days coming up soon. Uh, Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, part of Pearl River Resort. You can book a tea time or schedule your trip online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. They are in the process of remodeling the pro shop right now. And the uh, clubhouse is going to be really, really nice. Can't wait to get over there and see that here in uh, in a couple of months. It's going to be really good. PearlRiverResort.com. You can join us on the Ceasefire text line. The number is 601 879 4395 for all that Ceasefire has going on visit their website cspire.com it's really easy and that's how you find the best deals on the newest devices and uh, sometimes you can get really really good deals if you're upgrading or adding a new line or starting out as a new CSpire customer that's at cspire.com I'm Richard Cross you heard Michael Borke's voice Brian Haydad as well we're glad to be with you this afternoon what's up guys Hey Dad you happy on this Wednesday? I'm in a great mood. Always excited for Wednesday. Beginning of four straight hours on the radio for you, Sports Talk Mississippi, and then Thunder and Lightning coming up tonight at uh, 6 o'clock after we get finished. What can we expect? Uh, kind of like a, a pregame show almost for Mississippi State basketball.
3: Yeah, there'll be definitely be some basketball talk on there. We'll talk some football. Uh, and uh, we'll be joined by uh, new Mississippi State assistant coach Chad Bumpus. Finally got my guy on the show.
2: There you go. That'll be a lot of fun. Always uh, good to hear from Chad Bumpus. So that's coming up tonight on Thunder and Lightning. That'll be good this afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi. In the 4 o'clock hour, we will visit with Richard Williams, who is the color analyst on the Mississippi State Basketball Network. We'll look forward to that. Always fun to visit with uh, the former Mississippi State head coach who does a great job on the radio. Um I guess we should start with basketball, though I can't tell you how fascinated I am by the Rory
4: McIlroy, Patrick Reed kerfluffle in Dubai. I I almost had a kerfluffle today with a lady that needs to mind her business.
2: Oh, really?
4: It's weird. Here Um, we go. Uh, Matt ah. Borky is the best Borky. So it's I'm more confused than Borky it, next well, door. Go. Well, why do people think it's okay to tell you how to parent your kids? This isn't the first time I've had an interaction like this. So uh, went to the grocery store, had to pick something up, something very important. Had to pick something up, and I had James with me, and he's in the cart. And very important when you have a three year old has to be diapers. It, that and and okay, you know, good enough. Know, babe, babe, Stuff for a three-year-old, very important stuff, out of, had to go get it, right? And at the grocery store, there's a there's like a tower of cars, and sometimes I'll get him one because he loves cars, absolutely, anything that's got wheels, he loves it, but today I didn't want to get him one, he's got enough, got him one last somewhere at the store. So I I told him as we were walking by, he pointed, he said, Dad, that cars, and I said, no cars today, buddy, and he just, he kind of took it for a second, and as we were walking away, he was going, cars, cars, and his voice was elevating and elevating and elevating because he was getting upset today. He wasn't going to get a car. He's three. That happens. But I I, I put my hand just right here. I, I, I pat his chest just softly. I say, hey, James, no more. No more. We're not getting a car today. No more. And this lady walking next to me goes, you know, you really should talk to him differently than that. <laughs> I say, excuse me? <laughs> and she goes... You need to be more descriptive, <laughs> and she was like, she was kind of aggressive. It wasn't like offering sweet advice, like too much. She was like, "You need to be more descriptive with your rejections, or something like that." And I said, "Ma'am, I'll be as descriptive as I'd like to be with my son." <laughs> and I just kept. Walking. I'm getting angry just hearing this story, Borky. I, I, I mean, what the audacity to think that you can tell me how to talk to my child? I didn't raise my voice. I nothing. I just I I, I give him happy or sad I just kind of pat his chest and I, James no more no more we're not getting in a car today that's all I did and he knows that and he, he responds well to that and he stops and he's all good because he's a very well-behaved three-year-old as it turns out but the audacity of this woman to tell me that I, I blew my mind I'm I, I, I've been thinking about it all day why do you think it's okay to tell somebody else how to talk to their child who are you
3: have looked right in that woman's face and be like, "Lady, wait till you hear how I'm going to talk to you." <laughs> mm.
4: And that's not the first time that's happened in different ways. Oh, like, my gosh, I told you that story when you were off that, about about somebody at the park that that interjected and anyway, like that, that's a thing that people do now.
2: Hmm. Mm. I have so many thoughts and so many questions. Um. Mike and Oxford oh. with a great answer that we could never read
3: on the radio. you <laughs> no, i not going
2: to read that one on the air, Mike, but thanks. Appreciate it. We, we've but read that, it. We're that is the correct
3: it. answer, though. That is the correct answer.
2: Um, I'll give you a description. If I didn't know what kind of a dad you were, I'd really be, be like, you know, Borky, maybe the problem isn't everybody else. Maybe it's you. But I know what kind of a dad you are, so I'm not going to go that route. Yeah. Not going to do that. I'd I'd love to push
3: his buttons, but he's right. Yeah, just absolutely. The the no. no, Here's my question,
2: though. Here's my as you have replayed this event in your head throughout the course of the day, and you have grown angrier and angrier throughout the course of the day uh, when Karen tried to tell you how to talk to your son. I am curious if you are pleased with the way you responded to her, or given time and vitriol,
4: would you like a redo? No, I'm I'm glad that I said what I said. I mean, I was kind of stern, but uh, you know, I didn't cuss at her no. or anything. And she probably deserved it, but you know, that's not up up for me to decide. Uh, no, I'm I'm okay this is with it. It's a kinder gentler Michael.
2: Remember, he almost uh. fought somebody on an airplane one time who tried to like kind of bumped into him or popped off at him. I don't even remember what the story was. He was like seeing red. This is
4: he ran off. Carolers. The, 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 the guy hit somebody with his luggage on an airplane. So I interjected. Yeah. I, I mean, th- that was a little bit different. He was one of those people that when oh, the plane, yes. w- when the doors not open yet, and nobody can go anywhere, he's like trying to be first off the plane and we're on row twenty or whatever, mm. and he's trying to rush it. And w- we landed in Jackson, and it was like nine forty-five at night. He had nowhere to be, and pulls the luggage out, and he hits. A woman, like, in the shoulder almost hit her in the head. And so, I that, that yeah, I, I interjected, and I, I kind of pulled a tough guy on that guy. In this case, it was like a woman in her mid-50s. You know, like, and, and I've replayed it in my head that, wondering if she was right. You know, did she have a point? No. Mm-mm. I am perfectly fine no, with know, exactly yes, right. how I handled him in that moment. I was calm, but I was direct. No. We're not getting a car today, no more. And he and and he listens and and understands that instruction as well. It works because he doesn't throw tantrums.
3: I've been thinking He's about it all He's one of these day. gentle parenting people that I keep seeing on on, on, on online and stuff that I, I I just do not agree with the the gentle parenting way of doing things. Not a fan. Wait, you're you're saying Borky is a gentle parent? No, no, no. I'm, I think this woman was. Oh, yeah, yeah. The whole like, this is why we can't do this. This is why you can't break mommy's antique lamp.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we we sort have just gotten of those a gentle whipping well. back in the day and been done with it. Yeah. And and we we've adopted some of the principles of that. Like especially when he was two and he was first starting to have meltdowns. You know, it's the the big point is don't match their energy. You know, you, you be the, the calming voice. And, and when they're melting down, if you elevate, then it's just going to teach them that elevating is what you do. So we, we've adopted yeah, yeah, some Jane of Jane has but. had to remind me of that uh, f- because I have a big voice. I,
2: I mean, I, yeah. I just do, right? I talk for a living and it's a big voice bigger than my kids. And if, you know, one of the kids chooses to, you know, talk in a, a tone with me that is not what they've been taught. Then as opposed to me just being really calm, sometimes I employ the big voice and like, Oh, you think you're gonna get loud with me? Let me show you what loud sounds like. <laughs> which is not a good way. Right. I mean and, and then I get frustrated when Jane's like, Hey, um, you're 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 not teaching like, Yeah, don't talk to me right now about that. I need to get this done. It's not the problem. It's not always about teaching. It.
3: Sometimes it's just about getting it done. I agree yeah. with
2: Richard. Yeah, you're right. Um, wow. Wow Dwayne says, All right, so "We turned into an episode of Podfathers here. Does to you? Good job. Borky's a good dad. We, uh, we we see his interactions with his boy just about every morning of the week, Pop, pop. at least weekdays. J- James likes his dad too. So, of course, you could have just this, got yeah. him a car. Could we'll have. be back. Sports Talk, Mississippi.
0: <laughs> what do they want? Exciting news." More Sports Talk Mississippi, now. now.
2: Our text line Tim in the six six two says, "When I was growing up in the good old days, my daddy would have just left me in the car." Yeah, I, I hear you, Tim. You can't do that, I think, anymore. Can't do that anymore. I
3: have can't. been left in the car for many a trip to the uh, the fabric store. Oh, the fabric store!
2: Because God knows are I didn't want to go in far there anymore. Oh, big time, big time! But I vividly remember trips to the fabric store. Yeah. Yeah, the Fabric Center in Oxford. Sweet Miss Ellen had that store. Oh, loved her. And you you were talking about a great place for hide-and-seek, which is probably the reason, hey, that you got left in the car.
3: Yeah.
2: But had you gone in? Oh. Yeah. Just left in the car. Yeah. Those Um, were the days. Wow, no sports today via the C-SPIRE text line. Yes, if this was a 13-minute show, I suppose you would be correct.
4: And yet, in fairness, I only brought that up because the initial idea to start the show was not an exciting one, but it's a necessary one, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, we need to talk,
2: we need to talk some basketball. There uh, is basketball tonight, four games in the SEC Mississippi State at Alabama, Georgia is at Tennessee. South Carolina is at Florida. Texas A&M is at Auburn. Auburn favorite at home. That could actually be a pretty good game. Florida, big favorite at home against South Carolina. Tennessee, big favorite at home against Georgia. And Alabama, reasonably sized favorite at home tonight against Mississippi State. Second time that Alabama and Mississippi State have met this year. If that number, Borky, that you've got there is accurate, eleven and a half. and then it's gone down a little yeah it's gone down it was 13 this morning so uh yeah, you got some money coming in on the bulldogs hey dad you're uh, you're always bet the under this is a night it? where it might get tested okay 142 and a half oh i would definitely take the under on that you're hammering the under yeah alabama can really score. I'd be surprised
3: I mean, I'd be surprised if State scores over, over sixty. But defensively, I mean, they held Alabama what seventy-eight last time out. So the last last game was one forty-five. With State okay. shooting thirty-six free throws and making eighteen of them, so. Uh,
2: in Alabama's last, well, just an SEC play. 78-84, 78-84,
3: 106-78-85. You're sure about just the, take the under?
2: You're sure just, about the just under? stick
3: with the winning formula.
2: Stick with the winning formula. Okay. Um, but that's not where we need to start on the basketball conversation. Ole Miss hosted Missouri last night. Uh, Missouri won the game. Missouri was a, uh, they were a favorite going in. And especially in the first half, just shot absolutely lights out. 47 points in the first half for Missouri. They won it 89 77, 12 point win when it, was, uh, when it was all said and done. Uh, I will give you, just for, for the sake of doing it, Missouri's shooting. It was, I mean, it was something. In the first half, Missouri went 15 of 25 from the field, 60%. 9 of 15 from 3, 60%. 8 of 9 from the free throw line. In the second half, they cooled off considerably. They only shot 52% from the field and 47% from behind the arc. For the game, 55.4 on 31 of 56 53.3 on 16 of 30 from behind the arc. And they were 11 of 13 from the free throw line. I'll go back to the drum that I was beating a week ago. Make shots, win games. Defense, rebounding, blah, 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 blah. Make shots, win games. Missouri made a bunch of shots last night. And they won by 12 comfortably on the road. Oh, this wasn't awful. Shooting the basketball, 44% from the field, 36% from behind the arc. from the line. But when one team shoots 55% and the other team shoots 44%, guess who's going to win? So, there's the game, right? I mean, we can go through scores or whatever if you want to do that, but I don't know that that's... uh, Deshaun Ruffin had a better game last night, 18 points. There were 2,500 people at that game last night. That's a problem. It's not a new problem, but it's maybe the most significant problem. And this is one of those times where if you want to talk about game time and day of the week, I mean, yes, there there was a time where every basketball game in the SEC was on a Wednesday night or a Saturday. You could build your calendar around it with – A very few exceptions, and all of the Wednesday night games tipped off at seven o'clock. And seven o'clock is like the perfect time, right? I mean, you can get from work, you can go to the game, you're not too late getting home. If you live out of town, you can get there, you can still get home, you know, midnight ish. It's doable. Here's the truth you're good and you're winning. People show up at eight, they show up at six. They show up at 11 a.m. on Saturday morning. They show up at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They'll show up for a 1 o'clock tip-off on Sunday afternoon. Whatever you got to give them a reason to come, but they'll come. And so time of game, day of week is just an excuse. In its box score, Ole Miss announced 6,260. That's fine, whatever. Reported attendance tickets sold. We know how the game works. There were 2,500 people at the game last night. You have a ninety five hundred seat arena that is what, about five years old? That cost a hundred million dollars. And it was operating at twenty six and a half percent capacity last night for an SEC game in January, the first week that students are back in full, and
4: twenty six percent of the building was full wonder how much smaller that number would have been had the national championship baseball team not been there to sign autographs. Smaller. It was by far the biggest ovation of the night when they brought them onto the floor
2: and announced them, here they are, and they threw T-shirts into the into the crowd. So, yeah, you had about a bunch of people that showed up to get autographs before the game. I don't know that that appreciably affected the attendance number one way or the other. I mean, was it the difference in 2,300 and 2,500 at the game? Maybe. But the point is, you have a $100 million basketball facility that still kind of has a new car smell to it. And you're playing a conference game on a Tuesday night with students back on campus that tips off at 6 o'clock so that the people that are diehards in Memphis or Jackson or Tupelo or West Point or wherever that wanted to come to a game could still come and get home at a reasonable time. and only one out of every four seats in the building had a person in it people have given up yeah it, it i mean mike says tickets were a dollar on stubhub i
4: mean
2: yeah which might be overpriced yeah and and look i'm th- this is not taking shots this is not Standing on a podium and banging a gavel for an immediate change or, or whatever. It's just you've gotten to the point where the conversation cannot be ignored any longer. I think we've kind of all tiptoed around it to this point. Last year was a tough scene. There were some changes in the off season to the coaching staff. The roster changed, but it's not like the roster changed in a way that you're like, "Ooh, yeah." Oh yes, Here we go. It just it changed with guys.
4: We knew in March that's that's the thing, and we're up against the heartbreak so we'll talk about this more, I'm sure, but I went back and listened to what we were saying in March this is exactly what everybody expected to happen they're probably worse they're they're worse but i don't only the thickest wearers or the wearers of the thickest red and blue glasses out there would have thought that this team was going to be anything other than what it is which is not good enough
2: Yeah, I agree with that, but I do think that there are people who could reasonably have looked at it and go, you know, that's a really difficult start to conference play. You know, you got to win one out of those first four and not go 0 and 4. And then you got to win at South Carolina. You got to beat Missouri at home. I mean, th- I think there are people that are reasonable that might have looked at the schedule and said
4: three and four at this point. In league play. Well, they'd still be in the conversation had they not lost to North Alabama and UCF and, you know.
2: Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll continue this conversation when we come back
0: with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. A lot of thoughts from you on Ole Miss basketball. Um, here's one. It's bad for sure, but Kermit Davis can coach. I remember him bringing a bunch of zero stars down here from Middle Ten-
4: Tennessee and schooling Ole Miss. When was that? And I, I'm not saying that that didn't happen, because it happened, but what year was it?
2: Five and six years ago? I mean, you know, in the couple, uh,
4: I, I don't remember
2: hey, specifically. Longer than that.
4: I mean, wasn't it like 2016? Either, so. w- either way. Uh, I, my guess is, because I've been thinking about this today some, is... Since he did take Middle Tennessee to the NCAA tournament, what, three times? Um, He was there 16 years, but the first 11 years didn't make the tournament and then made it three times. Yeah. So had a really good run there at the end. I'm going to run this by you, actually, because I I don't know for sure, but it it makes sense to me. Think about how much the game has changed since Ole Miss hired him to be their head basketball coach. The, the, The college basketball... And basketball and college sports. How much has changed since he was hired? The, the game is different now. Alabama is the best team in the SEC. It helps because they have a, a lottery pick, but they play a free-flowing, three-point shooting style. It's what they do. Style has changed in basketball. It's more analytically driven. It's three-point shots and shots at the basket. It's faster, faster paced. The transfer portal ha- has come. Is not use the transfer portal well. I mean, this offseason it was a requirement to get offense, did not get offense. Got guys that struggled offensively at their previous stops to the point where one of the players they signed, in the press release, they talked about how he wasn't good facing the basket. Literally said that in the release of his signature. Uh, and you got to treat players differently. I, I know somebody was at the game last night, and it's nothing new. In you can't treat players not not every player some players you can some take it well some don't but the the you make a mistake get out type stuff that happens far too much is not resonating with young kids anymore there's a reason that his players get better when they leave his program and that's it's true they do look at what Jarkel Joyner did last night for NC State when he go for 28 was it 28-6 and 5 last night so I, my theory is that yes, good coach was really was good at middle Tennessee had a nice run and then things changed quickly changed. he didn't change with it.
2: you know, you know I, I think Kermit Davis knows basketball, but I, mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah, 28 points for Jarkel Joyner last night in a win at home over Notre Dame.
4: But he had 21 uh, against Duke last week also?
2: Oh, I don't know. He's averaging a career-high 17 points per game this year, shooting 44% from the field. Been good. He had 28 against Notre Dame last night, 18 against UNC, 19 against North Carolina, 11 against Miami, 21 against Virginia Tech last five games. But he's gone. Yeah. So, but, it, not, and, but, but your point is a good one. I mean, he would be the best or the second-best scorer on this Ole this team. And with Matthew morell out, he would be the best scorer on this team. But, well, we don't have to debate the uh, – Jarkel, Joyner, Lee. That's you know. Yeah. That that is an unfortunate footnote for Kermit Davis in this story. Um, somebody sent a message that said Andy Kennedy was mediocre at best, but he was better than Kermit. Ole Miss men's basketball is painful to watch. Look, it didn't end well for Andy Kennedy. He stepped down before the season ended, and it was time. Andy admits that. Ole Miss admits that. All of the things. Andy Kennedy was and is a really good basketball coach. I've had some – I'm not like a super in-depth basketball guy, but I've had conversations with Andy Kennedy where I've learned a lot, and I've been part of a conversation where he and another basketball guy are talking – and he's explaining why he does some of the things the way he does some of the things, and you're like, oh, the the guy that says they play streetball, tell me you don't know basketball without telling me you don't know basketball. That That's kind of the the takeaway that you would have. It's like there is absolutely a method to the madness in the way he goes about things. So calling Andy Kennedy mediocre at best I think is, I don't Think you're being disingenuous with that. And the problem with Andy Kennedy was he didn't get to the tournament enough, right? Twelve years right. and a couple of trips to the tournament, and if he you know gets in two or three more times that were bubble years, he's still the coach at Ole Miss.
4: Yeah. And, and with the net, maybe he would have, but doesn't matter because the net yeah. wasn't there at the time.
2: Um, calling it painful to watch. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you on that point. It's it's a tough watch right now. And this is, I've said it before, I'll say it again, it's an uncomfortable conversation. And it's uncomfortable because who Kermit Davis is as a person and as a man and in the community and, and all of those things. But the truth of the matter is, I can't sit here in good conscience and lie to you either. He is not compensated in the way that he is compensated because he's a good man and he's great in the community and he knows the game of basketball. He's compensated in the way that he is with an expectation of winning. And you're not asked to win at a super high level at Ole Miss, right? I mean, the the, the threshold of getting into the tournament what? 2 out of 4 years half every other year? I, one I, one out of 3 years, you know, whatever yeah. whatever that threshold is for you. That's not an unreasonable bar in college basketball and it's certainly not an unreasonable bar when you're making 3 million dollars a year. And if you can't reach that, then there's there's no choice. There's no decision to be made. There's no decision to be made for Keith Carter at the end of this season. The decision is being made for him in the ledger with wins and losses. Ole Miss is 1-7 in Southeastern Conference play. And Borky, you put the number in our notes, 5-21 and 21 over the last two seasons. And you pointed out to me something that I wish I didn't know. They have now not won a home SEC game in over a calendar year. Yeah. That's unsustainable. It's untenable. It's unappealing. It's, you, 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 you can't keep doing it. And, and so that's why I say it's It's not a deal of, well, I mean, what is, what, what's Keith Carter going to do? You know, there's this long track. No, the, the, there's no decision to be made. Does that make sense? Like, 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 whether or not Keith Carter wants to make the call that he is going to ultimately have to make it irrelevant.
4: Yeah. I, I, I saw, not necessarily r- hand-wringing, but uh, over the last few weeks, honestly, uh, I've interacted with people and stuff, and one of my friends in particular, I, I hope Keith Carter doesn't check his Twitter mentions. I'm sure he does, but I hope he doesn't. Because he got a lot of them last night about, got to do it now, got to do it now, what are you waiting for, what are you waiting yeah, for? And, and, and I just, I, I've said to these people, y- you don't have to do that. Everybody knows the score. Keith Carter knows the score. Kermit Davis knows the score. And you're not hiring Dusty May right now, anyway. Just a name. Just you're not. He's not coming right now. A guy like him is is not coming until his season's over. So you don't have to make a change right now. To Start doing background checks and stuff like that. And this kind of stuff won't heat up anyway <clears throat> until March comes. It's it sucks that you have to sit and wait for as long as you're going to have to sit and wait. But you don't need to, like you said. I just needed to tell some of my friends this last night. You don't need to tell Keith Carter that that this needs to happen. He knows. Yeah, he absolutely, we knew at
3: this point knows. last year. We knew at this point last year that you know Hallen was going to end up being gone, and state waited until the end. And they still got one of the top candidates that was out there. So, just wait till the end of the season. That's the that's the smart play.
2: You don't know who Dusty May is, by the way. That's the head coach at Florida
4: Atlantic. He has fifty percent of the school's winning seasons.
2: They're nineteen and one, with a net of eighteen and a top twenty-five ranking in Conference USA. And Todd Abernathy's an assistant coach on that staff as well. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right
5: back. Here we go.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Mississippi with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Reminder that uh, this afternoon, uh, coming up in a little while, 4 20, we will uh, visit with Richard Williams, former head basketball coach at Mississippi State, current radio analyst on the Mississippi State Sports Network from Learfield. Uh, That is is coming up just in a little while, about, uh, about half an hour from right now. If uh, if you want to be part of the conversation, you can join us on the ceasefire text line. Brick and Tupelo says, "Don't know U M money situation, of course, but I was wondering if they spent too much on Lane Kiffin to get a high quality basketball coach." No, no. I mean, there's not an endless supply of money. But I mean, they're already paying. Three
4: something million a year. Yeah. So I wonder how much, and it feels kind of goofy talking about this before it happens, but I wonder how much style is going to factor into his decision. Not just wins, but how do you win? What does it look like? Because I think what you said earlier is spot on. The fans here, and Mississippi State fans, I think it applies to them as well don't have, at least the ones that I interact with, unrealistic expectations for basketball. They know it's not Kentucky. They know it's not Duke or Kansas, and it never will be. Or Arkansas, even. They they know it won't be that. But they know they can be competitive, which is all they're asking for. And when they are, just okay Ole Miss teams in the past have been supported mightily. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen incredible electric, pavilion, and tadpad pad environments for just okay teams.
2: As bad as the Smith Coliseum was as a building, dad can attest to this. He went to games there. When that place was full, that was a hard place to play for opponents. I mean, Ole Miss was
4: ridiculously good in that building. And it wasn't hard to get mm-hmm. it full. People went as long as you were just interesting. Com- yeah. Just interesting. That's all people ask for. And so that that is achievable at a place like Ole Miss. Can you be in the mix? And if you are, the people will support it. We have seen it too many times. When people argue against that, you're crazy. Use your eyes and remember what happened. Just be interesting. But I wonder if Keith Carter's like going to look at the way these candidates' teams play and not just what their record is. But are you fun? You, you moving up and down the court? Do you, are you able to recruit these shooters that can light the gym on fire? Is it more than well, just? No, I mean,
2: there are none of those in the SEC.
4: You got like three guys in the entire league that can shoot. It's been a terrible <laughs> shooting like. year, and there happens to be one at Alabama who's also six foot nine. But they long... all three
3: of them play for Alabama.
4: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Sears, I I Miller,
3: I... and one other
2: guy. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking. This is not a, not terribly dissimilar to where Mississippi State was a year ago. Right? In, in, in yeah. terms of apathy well, from fans and just kind of being checked out. But that Mississippi State but team was on the edge. That's the thing. All of those Ben Howland teams were, like, close. And it was a, a totally different situation. I think Ole Miss
3: fans came into this year thinking, ah, this isn't going to work, and we're just kind of hanging on to Kermit and they'll fire him at the end of the year. Remember last year, state had a lot of, of positive publicity. They had hit the transfer portal. They had brought back Tolu Smith and Iverson Molinar. And he thought, okay, yeah. this is going to be a tournament team. And so it was less apathy than anger. You know, of like, gosh, he's blown it again. So different kind of situation. It was like the previous yeah, two years that
2: had kind of been apathetic.
3: Yeah, and and then this year it turned into okay, this this is not right. Well, so for Ole Miss this year it's it's just a little different situation but yeah at this point last year state fans were they were ready to move on
2: and, and I think maybe the bigger point that I was making was similar to Ole Miss I don't think basketball expectations at Mississippi State are unrealistic I mean, Mississippi State fans are not expecting to you know have a perennial sweet 16 team now there was the 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 era of getting to the tournament and getting bounced on the first weekend year after year after year that had a lot of Mississippi State fans ready to move on from Rick Stansberry, which, you know, can debate whether or not that was the right move or not. I mean, there were there was a little more getting to the tournament, but some similarity to Andy Kennedy in the fact that, you know, it was a familiar face, he'd been there a long time, felt like he'd go as far as he could go, and then, you know, finally time to move on. The Renardo-Sydney thing didn't help at the end. Point being, Mississippi State has historically had a little more success than than Ole Miss. There's that Final Four run mixed in there. The programs are not drastically different in terms of postseason. Mississippi State overall has had a better basketball program for the last 50 years. But it's not like Kansas is here and Ole Miss is down here and Mississippi State is Kansas. It's a whole lot closer in terms of, I don't even know if I'm making any sense. I think I think the overall point that I'm trying to make is at Mississippi State and at Ole Miss, the expectations are not unrealistic for the basketball program. Be get me competitive. Get the
0: Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at SuperTalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You want to be part of the conversation? You can join us on the c Spire text line. 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do, and that's right here in Seaspire Country. Check them out online at slash business We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio, Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. Book your tee time, plan your trip online at Dancing Rabbit Golf. Dot com. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, and you, thanks as always for being with us. Mississippi State, basketball happening tonight. We're going to talk with Richard Williams coming up in, uh, in the next segment. We'll preview that matchup with Alabama. But Haydad, let's talk a little bit bigger picture about this, uh, this Mississippi State team. 12-7 and 7 overall, 1-6 and 6 in the SEC. So that part of it's not good. And... They lose their their final game before league play starts against uh, against Drake. That was in what Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, and then they lose to Alabama, lose to Tennessee, beat Ole Miss in Starkville for their only league win, and then four straight losses since then, including an eight point loss at Georgia, six point loss at Auburn, an eleven point loss to Tennessee and a two-point loss to Florida. So you can kind of decide whether to do this glass half full or glass half empty. Glass half full, you go, well, at least three of those last four games, you were in them and and potentially could have won them. Maybe not so much against Tennessee, but even in that game, had a first-half lead.
3: They were tied in the second half with, like, four minutes to go.
2: And then it falls away at the end. So, okay. It's away from me, yeah. Say, all four of them, you had a chance to win. Close, but not getting it done. The glass half-empty piece of it is, I don't care how you got there. Did you win or lose? The answer is, six times out of seven in league play, you've lost. And, oh, by the way, you're on the road at number 2 Alabama tonight, and you host number 11 TCU, who got another big... Big 12 win last night. And, and so that's 1-6, in six, staring at 1-7 in, in the league, plus another loss in an opportunity game overall, if you just kind of do it based on favorites, yeah, before the schedule turns. Now, when the schedule turns, it turns in a pretty big way. At South Carolina, Mississippi State should win that game. Missouri, because it's at home... Probably, it certainly chance. is a game that Mississippi State can win, should win. I don't know. Yeah. Wouldn't go should. LSU at home have to win. Mm-hmm. At Arkansas, they're getting better. They're getting better and they're getting healthier. Kentucky at home. Well, two weeks ago, maybe felt like you should win that Would've game. Would felt good, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Feel less good now. Yeah. Based on what we've seen at Ole Miss, favored. At Missouri, Probably not favored. AM's good. Got to beat South Carolina at home. Vandy's better than their record. And so when I say the schedule turns, it's like, okay, through those last ten games in the league, you can find four wins. Maybe five. Which would have you six and twelve in the league. Which ain't great, no. So where are we with this team? You know, it's it's when you look at the uh,
3: the the, the non conference part of the schedule. Obviously, not a great schedule. I think I think it's like three twenty or so in uh, in non conference in strength of schedule. But. A year ago, State played similar teams and lost games in the non-conference, and this year they didn't. So that put them kind of ahead of schedule. And we we talked about that. We said, look, if they go through a rough stretch during the regular season, they're still going to be in in decent shape. Now, I don't think we expected to lose eight of nine, though. I don't think we thought that was going to be the case. Um, And the thing is, and I've said this before, that in this nine-game stretch, they've played six top 25 teams. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter that they were good in the non-conference and they were ranked. You would have predicted them to lose those games regardless. But the game that's killing State right now is the Georgia game. If State was if State's, what, 1-6 in, in, um, in conference play, if they were 2-5 and, and they had just won at Georgia and they had just made their free throws and, and gotten that game, or, you know, you could say they, if they could have made three three-pointers and been 3-of-18 from deep against Auburn, one of those two games, you have a much different picture of this team right now. You, you know, I think the Georgia game really is the one that's really, really hurting them. So to finish out the season, it's just going to be about getting into the NIT. You know, if they can make some sort of crazy run, and you mentioned some games where you're like, well, maybe you know, I mean, what if they beat LSU and and beat Missouri at home and beat somehow beat Kentucky at home? I don't think that they will, but what if they do? And they beat Ole Miss, and they beat South Carolina twice, and they they get either A and M or Vanderbilt. Now you're talking about you're on the bubble, probably not in, but you're on the bubble. Now that's a, that's a tough thing to predict. The way State has played this year, and I wouldn't, I would not predict it. But if they get to the NIT in year one, and they've played this well without any real scoring threats, I mean you're pleased. I think everybody's on board with Chris Chance. Yeah. So you know. He built up a lot of credit for himself in in the first part of the season, and now it's the tough part. And when he gets in, when it gets past Saturday, and that's this TCU game, if the team doesn't start playing better, then you have a reason to be okay. What's going on? I'm disappointed. But if they start winning some games, which you said that South Carolina game is the first one, if they can win that game and start building up a little momentum, you feel okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina twice. Got to get Missouri at home. Got to beat LSU at home. Maybe you go steal a road game somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I I think four or five in the last ten is... Uh, unless it's this right. team turns into something they haven't been. Which they're, they're not going to. They're not going to. They just don't have the scores. Right, I mean, I'm. I, I tend to be an optimist, and it's like, well, you know, if this happens and this happens, you know, at some point you're like, they played a bunch of games, they can't score, they don't shoot, the defense is good and they play hard, but against good teams, that defense tends to break down when they just get out athleted or out basketball playered, however it is you want to do that. One thing that I'm really interested to see going into the offseason between this season and next season we all kind of stood up and applauded when Chris Jan said it's not about building a program it's about building a team from year to year hmm right and, and he was able to kind of Gotta do that now bring some guys back and bring some guys in so if that's your philosophy it makes you believe that the makeup of Mississippi State's basketball roster a year from now, is totally likely different. to look a lot different than the one that's on the floor right now.
3: And he's going to do the same thing that Kiffin's doing. You're going to see him go to the portal and try to get you know four, five, six players to go on to next year's roster. You know, the, the same kind of
2: percentages. There was in, in, in years gone by when the system that is in place now was not in place. There was a commitment by some, to make sure that Mississippi State basketball had the players that it needed. I'm tiptoeing around what I'm saying here, but I I think you know what I'm saying. Given the Mm -hmm. fact that the floodgates are open and anybody can buy players now, is there enough of a commitment from basketball-centric people around Mississippi State to give Chris Jans the tools, the cash, legally, legally, that he needs to go out and build a roster that can compete. I think so. In the SEC,
3: I think so. And part of the you know the thing with Mississippi State is, I mean, since Malik Newman, who who's been the top. I mean, DJ Jeffries was a top recruit. He went to Memphis. Now he's at Mississippi State. Yeah. But he hasn't played to that to that level. You know, we haven't seen players like Monte Ellis and Jonathan Bender and Travis Outlaw in recent years. A couple of those guys never came to state, but they were they were committed. Um. I think that you know the top player in the state this year, Josh Hubbard, obviously signed with Ole Miss. But I think we all kind of expect when Kermit's gone that that might re- reopen and he might be released from his letter of intent. And Mississippi State finished number two in that that race, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but then you go into the portal, and yeah, I, I think that state's going to have the resources. You know, when you talk to Charlie over at the Bulldog Initiative, there have been a number of people who have made commitments to basketball. Um, so we'll see. We'll see, but yeah, I think, because when you talk about the portal, you're talking about NIL. They go hand-in-hand. Hand. You, yeah. you can't. It's not like high school kids. You, you If you're recruiting portal kids, you're paying them money. So we'll see.
2: And, Borky, to turn that back to Ole Miss, if Ole Miss goes the direction of making a change and they end up hiring a new coach, That that's one of the things that a new coach is going to want to know. What, yeah. what are the resources that I've got to go out and build a roster? don't know the answer to that. Richard Williams will join us on the Farm Bureau guest line coming up next.
0: It's big. Brace yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at Supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. Go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Richard Williams joins us right now, former basketball coach at Mississippi State. He is the color analyst on the Mississippi State Radio Network, alongside Neil Price and uh, all around good guy. Coach, how are you today?
5: Uh if I could hear you better, I'd be doing fine, but I'm having a lot of trouble hearing you Neil and I out on the road on the way to Tuscaloosa, and I'm not hearing you very well. All right. Let's see if – is that any better? That's much better. Now I can hear you. That, that might go. be a good thing or a bad thing, though, Richard. I'm not sure.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad to know you haven't changed. <laughs> Welcome back to the radio show.
5: <laughs> thank you.
2: Do me a favor. Um, okay. Okay. W- describe to me what you are seeing when you watch this Mississippi State basketball team in a way that we can all understand it. To me, that's one of the great things you do on the radio. You you explain things in a way that I'm listening, I I feel like I understand what I'm seeing. So as you have watched this season under a first-year head coach and and you've seen the style and you've seen the way the players are playing, kind of an, an overall, when you watch Mississippi State basketball right now, what are you seeing through a coach's eyes?
5: a team that plays really, really hard on the defensive end. Uh, uh, Great intensity level, awareness on the defensive end. Uh, They do a lot of different things defensively. Sometimes they switch, sometimes they don't switch. There's a tremendous amount of preparation that goes into the games on the defensive end. Uh, Also defensively, though I think teams, now with the, the sophisticated scouting that there is now, Richard, teams have figured out that Mississippi State's defense is trying to trap all the time on the baseline. They're forcing all the drives baseline. They're trapping in the post. And the help side defenders are so far off so they can be able to set those traps. The skip passes over the defense are open, and that's why we're giving up so many three-point shots. Uh, But as far as how hard they play, and they rebound the basketball offensively in particular, they go get it. Now, on the offensive end, it's a little bit different. It, it's a little bit hard to watch. We don't have great shooters. Uh, don't have anybody that we can count on just to come out and be that twenty point a game guy uh, when the defenses take Tolu Smith away, and that's what defenses are doing. And I think Tolu settles for catching the ball off the lane instead of right on the lane line or in front of the rim. Uh, he he's not a real physical player. He lets lets defenders push him off the lane line, which then means he has to try to back himself in, and it's just difficult for him to get there. Uh, So watching this team play defensively is really fun because they play so hard. Watching them play offensively, not quite so much fun.
2: Something you said about the, the skip passes opening up three-point shot attempts really jumped out at me when, when you think about the opponent tonight because that's what this Alabama team loves to do, right? Go downhill to the rim and shoot the three. Is there a tweak, do you think, in the way that Mississippi State will try to defend Alabama, especially given that they've already seen them once this year?
5: Well, I, I don't know if they're going to tweak anything or not. I haven't been in start with this week to watch practices. I just drove up today and and I are on the way to the game now. But I think a tweak that could be made is don't help off so much. Maybe not trap as much on the baseline Uh, Hmm. because the way they trap on the baseline, it's a little bit different defense, uh, Richard, than what some people play. When the ball goes to the wing, the Mississippi State defensive player guarding the ball gets really on the top side of that When top side, I mean towards the mid-court line side. And they force that dribbler to go baseline. And then the next perimeter defender, and it could be anybody for Mississippi, it's not a designated guy. It's the closest guy in health. He comes to set that trap. And so I think maybe if those defenders don't get so far off, they stay a little bit closer so the closeouts aren't, aren't as long. And, and what's happening is when the play, when teams are skipping the ball over the top of us, the closeouts are so long they can't get there. And right now we are the worst team in the league defending the three-point shot. And it's not because we're a bad defensive team. It's because we have such difficulty with those long closeouts getting to those shooters. So maybe that cannot help offense much, which then might take away some of the double teams on the baseline.
2: Take me into a coach's mind. Uh, Schedule makers did not do Mississippi State any favors with uh, Alabama home and away and Tennessee home and away in the first, what, eight, nine games of league play. If you look at this schedule, the back half of it is a little bit better. Is Chris Jans aware of that? If you're a head coach, is it just try to try to get through it, try to keep your guys engaged because you see that there's a chance for more success down the line?
5: I don't think there's any question about that. And actually Coach Jans has said publicly that you know, we will win some games this year. You know, we just have to get through these games. And you make a great point that schedule makers haven't favored Mississippi State. And in all honesty, I don't think schedule makers have ever favored Mississippi State or Ole Miss. I just <laughs> think and, and they you know, they used to tell me all the time it's computer generated. Well I'd like to talk to that computer. Because so it just seems like we always get the short end of the stick, these two Mississippi schools. We've also played Auburn on the road, right uh, which is no bargain either. No. But Chris Chris Jans does understand there's some games down the road we have a chance to win. The problem is by the time you get to those games, is your team fragmented? Have they lost confidence? Do they stay together? Uh, and, and that's the that's the task of the coaches right now. To keep the players together, to keep them believing that we can win some games if we just get through this stretch. And that's not to mention now, once we get through Alabama tonight, we have TCU coming up Saturday in this Big Twelve SEC matchup. That's not a fun game either.
2: No, they were pretty impressive in a, another win last night in the uh, in the Big 12. Uh, I'm curious, bigger picture, beyond just Mississippi State. When I look at the league this year, and nobody's shooting it well. I, I, maybe Alabama's the exception. I mean, there are pros all over this team that, that Alabama's putting it on the floor. Why is shooting so bad in the SEC right now?
5: Uh, yeah, I have a theory. I, I don't have any way of proving it. I think... The scouting now is so sophisticated with the, the technology that they have. And, and I'm not sure our fans understand or our listeners understand. Every time a game is played within a certain number of hours, that game has to be uploaded out there somewhere in this cloud, whatever the cloud is. And so every team on your schedule, every team out there that subscribes to this same technology, and they all do it, they can now download that game. They have technology now, Richard, that allows them you can push a button. Show me every shot Richard Cross takes going to his right hand. Show me every shot Richard Cross takes behind the three-point line. And so the coaches now spend so much time defending and practicing defending those things. I think offense is neglected, and I think shooting is neglected. And then I think kids grow up now in these individual workouts. They have all these individual coaches where they learn to dribble between their legs and dribble behind their back and all that kind of stuff, instead of just working on shot and shot technique and shot form. Now, that's just an opinion. I have no way of proving that.
2: Yeah, the, well, I think the system's called Synergy, that, that most of the, the coaches. I think that's and, it. Yeah, Synergy. And, and that's what it use. is. And it's, yeah. it's incredible what you can do. And, I mean, I don't know if that reduces preparation time or it just enhances.
5: I think you know, it, it, it it makes preparation time defensively more. I know the last two coaches we've had at Mississippi State, Chris Jan, uh, Ben Howell and Chris Jans, they spend the the majority of their time working on defending the opponent's sets. That's what they spend the majority of the time on. And this synergy thing is – and now the other thing, Richard, think about this. When Mississippi State's team walks on the floor tonight or when the Ole Miss team walks on the floor, or the Alabama team, count how many assistant coaches they have. only two of them, only the head coach and three assistants can coach on the floor. What are those other guys doing? They're watching tape constantly, and they're giving feedback to the coach all the time. I just think sometimes it's too much.
2: Last thing for you. Is college basketball healthy right now?
5: Uh, I'm not sure it's healthy. I'm not sure any college sports right now because of the, the transfer portal, the NIL, uh, I, I'm not opposed to players getting something, Richard, uh, in the right way. I'm not opposed to players getting some, some money for playing. Uh, and I refer back to 96, the year we went to the Final Four. Sporting goods store downtown was selling Eric Dampier jerseys and Daryl Wilson jerseys, making a ton of money. Eric and, and uh, Darrell weren't getting a penny of that. Players deserve something. But the way the NIL was structured and just thrown out there, it's just become pay-for-play. That's all it is. And I, I think that's hurt the game. And then this transfer portal, uh, I think that's hurt the game. So right now, I'm a little concerned about not just the health of college basketball, but the college athletics in general.
2: Mississippi State and Alabama coming up at 8 o'clock tonight, 730 pregame show. You'll hear Richard Williams alongside Neil Price, and you can watch the game if uh, you can't get to Tuscaloosa or listen to it on the SEC Network. Coach, thanks as always for your time. Great catching up.
5: Hey, thanks, Richard. Appreciate you having me.
2: That is Richard Williams, former head basketball coach at Mississippi State, coached the Bulldogs to the Final Four in nineteen ninety-six. You can hear him on the radio tonight alongside Neil Price on the Mississippi State Sports Radio Network. We'll take a timeout. More coming up with you after this. This is Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: Super Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Sports Talk Mississippi.
2: Good conversation with Richard Williams, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at Supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. He joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. You know what I what I really enjoy about talking with him? Is when we talk basketball, I learn something. Yeah. I mean.
3: Well, he's a coach and a teacher. He was a teacher, a teacher before he was a coach. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But but the way he explained what Mississippi State is doing on defense and what adjustment you could potentially see, that gives you something to watch for tonight, right? I mean, Alabama gets the basketball to the wing, wing defender going to try and push that guy to the baseline, and then you've got a trap coming. Is Alabama going to recognize the trap, go to the skip pass, and get a wide-open three on the opposite side of the floor? Or is Mississippi State going to kind of adjust the way they trap and make that a harder pass, leading to a turnover and a transition bucket the other way? You've got something to watch now and you might not have been watching for that specifically when you turned on the game otherwise
3: he explained it in a way where he dumbed it down for us but he didn't sound like he was dumbing it down for us
0: yeah yeah
3: that's, that's that, that that's a, that's a skill
2: is there um is there anything hey dad that he said that stood out to you
3: no, and a lot of it sounded like what we when I had him on Thunder and Lightning a few I guess about a month ago that, that you know sort of the same things and I mean the same problems are still plaguing Mississippi State offensively and then defensively state's still doing a lot of the same things but they're still finding success at it. But tonight, yeah, with Alabama and the way they shoot the basketball, you do have to be careful with leaving them open on the perimeter because they will drain those shots all day.
2: They will. So we'll see. Look, when you play Alabama Part of what your hope going into the game is that they have a cold shooting night. Sometimes the defense can cause that or affect it, and sometimes guys just don't make shots. doesn't seem to be happening very often. We looked at Alabama's scores earlier. They were like 74-86, 74-106, 85-78. I mean, they just score. They're a good offensive team. All right. Let's uh let's turn the page from basketball to baseball as we continue the countdown of twenty-five teams in twenty-five days.
0: Play ball. He's out! What a way to end
2: it! And what a way to end a drought! Mississippi State, the national
3: champions, One, two, pitch. Struck him out from last four
4: end to last kid. Series. Opening day is I right, see right see around the corner, so we're counting it down. Here's 25 teams team. in 25 days.
2: Let's see if you know the second half to this cheer: M I Z.
3: Boom. I'm just worried about the distinct lack of James in our in our yeah. our thing there.
2: Well, he wasn't doing it live, hey dad. It's just a different version of of the bump. I'm just saying you're disappointed. I can bring him. I am. I am. Bring him back. Options. Just wanted
4: something shorter.
2: The Missouri Tigers are our third team to preview, and uh, last year Missouri went ten and twenty in the SEC. They were a participant in the SEC baseball tournament. And it's a double digit
4: win season.
2: That's yeah, that's good. Five games above 500 overall, 28 and 23 was the record uh, last year for Missouri. I think about Missouri baseball, and there's some questions that I can't help but answer, ask. Uh, Steve Beezer, pretty good coach, right? I mean, if you look at where he's been and what he's done, he's done a good job. But Missouri is in the middle of a sword fight. And the sword fight consists of, like, three or four programs that have a sharp sword in each hand. And then, like, eight programs that actually have four arms. And they have four swords. One in each hand on the end of each arm. And Missouri is trying to fight those 13 opponents with varying levels of swords, but all of them have swords with no sword, two hands tied behind their back, and they have their ankles bound, and they happen to have a blindfold on. Kinky. The the, the odds are not exactly in their favor. Considering the uphill battle that they are fighting... Getting to the SEC tournament, winning 10 games in conference play, not bad. Now, their best player from a year ago is gone, was uh, was drafted. Their shortstop, oh, I had it pulled up in the stats just a second ago. I'm trying to remember his name. To- Tobin, I think it was. Um, uh, Torrin Torin Montgomery. Torrin Montgomery, their shortstop, hit three sixty five last year with 12 doubles and seven home runs. Good player. He was drafted, so he's gone. I'm not going to pretend to tell you that I can break down Missouri's roster.
3: They're second I best just, players at LSU, isn't he? And now where Josh Day ended up? Oh,
2: was that Josh Day where he left and went?
3: Let me let me double check here.
2: He hit three forty. I know he was in the portal. Yeah.
3: Josh Day.
2: Was he the shortstop? Okay. Or was Montgomery the shortstop? Anyway, it doesn't matter. So their two best hitters from a year ago are gone. Everybody in the league, not named Missouri, has invested significantly in baseball.
0: Even places oh, he got
2: that drafted. Montgomery did or Day did? Yeah. Day. Okay. Kentucky has a new ballpark that they spent thirty five million on. I don't really care about baseball at Alabama. Haven't been good in a long time. Used to be a perennial top of the West team when Jim Wells was their coach. They built a new ballpark a few years ago 30, 35, 40 million, whatever the the cost on that was. LSU obviously is investing at an extremely significant level. It's a big deal at Texas AM. They go out and they get Jim Schlossnagel a couple of years ago. They've already announced plans to expand and update Bluebell Park at Olsen Field. South Carolina cares. they don't take a big step forward, they'll make a change at South Carolina this year. Florida's won a national championship recently. Mississippi State's won a national championship two years ago. Ole Miss won a national championship last year. Arkansas has been on the cusp of winning a national championship and led the country in attendance last year.
4: All that attendance just to not win anything. Hmm. Yeah, I
2: I get it. I I, I get it. Tennessee's investing in their coaching staff. and They're investing in their state. Everybody has decided they care about baseball. And then you look at Mizzou. I know the weather stinks in Columbia for a big part of the season.
4: Weather stinks in South Bend, Indiana, too. They care. Stinks in Ann Arbor, Michigan. They care.
3: Missouri right now is kind of like a lot of the SEC schools used to be for basketball they just they just didn't really care and then the SEC the conference kind of made a push right to say hey we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna change that and you started getting some big coaches in and and now you see the, the fruits of that the the difference is the conference isn't going to do that this time around because everybody else does care about baseball and then you just got Mizzou sitting there lacking 14 out of 14. And they'll be 16 out of 16 when Texas and Oklahoma show
2: up. Yes. I would say Texas and Oklahoma care about baseball. Oklahoma played for a national title this year. Texas has won, what, the second most national championships in baseball of any program in college baseball? I I, I think that's right. I think it's Southern Cal one, Texas two. Fact check me on that. It's fine. They care deeply about baseball. At the University of Texas. So you're going to be 15 to 16. Right now, 13 of the 14 schools in the SEC have softball programs. Vanderbilt does not. Would it make more sense for Missouri baseball to just shut it down if they're not going to invest?
3: The conference wouldn't let them do that, I don't think.
2: I mean, maybe that's akin to saying should Vanderbilt football just shut it down, which obviously is not going to happen. No, but football's the moneymaker. Football's the moneymaker.
4: Does the the league office really need Missouri baseball? It needs Vanderbilt football. It needs every football team, without a doubt, because it makes a bunch of money. And I'm sure they like going to Nashville, too, for road trips. But... I mean, I don't think it's a far-fetched question when you consider that baseball loses money at 99.9% of the 400 Division One programs. I assume Missouri is one of them. So if everybody else is trying, you don't care to try, and it's a money pit, what are you doing? Yeah,
2: I don't know. Um, and, and if you look at the facility, I mean, I I laughed. I was reading up on Taylor Stadium earlier. Um, There is a a line where it says, The Enhanced Facility, they did a a 2014 locker room expansion and followed it up with, The Enhanced Facility is one of the top baseball, makes it one of the top baseball venues in the nation and gives players all they need to succeed on site. I'm like, Wait, what?
0: Come on! Are we going to do this? Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk Mississippi.
2: So wrapping up the conversation about Missouri baseball, because at least as we know right now, they are not going anywhere. Missouri will open conference play at home against Tennessee. Then they go to South Carolina and Kentucky. Host Vanderbilt, go to A&M. Host Alabama, go to Florida. Host Ole Miss, that's May 5th, 6th, and 7th in Columbia. Got Georgia at home and finish it out uh, at Auburn. So Mississippi State does not have Missouri on the schedule this year. Ole Miss makes the trip to Columbia. Last time that happened, I just remember a gazillion home runs were hit in that series. I think Ole Miss won two out of three. Of course, Ole Miss swept Missouri last year in Oxford when they absolutely had to and uh, and got it done. I'm curious if Missouri does anything interesting early. Oh, they're playing in the uh, college baseball showdown right out of the gate at, uh, at Globe Life Field in Arlington. They get Oklahoma State on the opening Friday of the season, Texas on Saturday and TCU on Sunday. 0 oh and
4: 3. That venue's pretty sick. You can play baseball and then buy yourself some cattle right there on the field. Not at the same time. Uh, well, different the, events. The venue very oh. clearly supports them both. That
2: venue is awesome <laughs> also
4: looks like a gigantic cattle barn
2: oh well, you know it does from the outside just close your eyes walking in it's worth it when you get inside there's oh, a, you remember me a couple of years ago advocating for moving the College World Series to yeah, Arlington Texas I do remember that yeah still don't think it's a terrible idea
4: I think moving the SEC tournament around to various locations is a great idea also but you know we we, we don't get what we want not always I feel, uh, I
2: feel, I disagree with you on that. I'm moving it. For the longest time, I was like, yep, yeah, you know what, move it around. I don't think so.
4: But okay. I'm, yeah, I'm, We'll go wherever. They, they need to move themselves into selling beer. <laughs> now we get to the crux of the yeah. matter for Michael Borky. It's 2023, guys. All the studies are out. Alcohol at stadiums does not increase consumption or anything like that. There's there's proof. There's data.
2: It's not just baseball, man. It's all yeah. all SEC postseason events Or all events hosted by the SEC. At least now in the premium areas, you've got it. But uh, in terms of general admission, nope.
4: Hmm. So you have a moral stance unless money's involved. Imagine that.
2: Yeah. Uh you guys see that, Danny White? The athletics director at Tennessee got a raise. $2.2 million, that is now his salary, in what they called a rolling six year contract, which makes him, it, it, it is believed, according to Ross Tellinger, to make him the highest paid athletics director in the SEC and one of the eight highest paid in the country. Good for him. Good for him. I guess that's well deserved, though, right? I mean,
3: I mean, is anybody's big three sports better than Tennessee's right this second?
2: Collectively, no, no.
3: All three of them top ten.
2: Yeah. So good for him, and and I think pretty well deserved.
4: And let me hold a hundred <laughs> or so. Who's gonna crash first? Because you know it's coming. What do you mean? Football, basketball, or baseball? Which Tennessee sport? Because they're on the they're on, at the top. Who crashes first? My vote's baseball.
2: No, I think they're pretty invested right now, and they're mm-hmm. more stable than they've been in a really long time. There's no reason that shouldn't be a department where everybody succeeds.
4: True, but no, it's Tennessee. If, if
3: Joe Milton's not not good, it'll be football.
4: But remember, he was good in one bowl game. Also, shout out to the angry Tennessee fans for uh, watching and and watching and watching and watching the video from a few weeks ago. Uh, us talking about Tennessee winning the offseason national championship. Uh, appreciate the engagement. Thank all of you for that.
2: Where did that happen?
4: Was that a Twitter thing? Uh, posted it on our YouTube channel. And, oh. buddy, they were
2: hot. Comment. So you once again have raised the dander of Tennessee fans? Was it you or all of us? It was
4: mostly you. And- mostly me. Yeah. Because I said they're going to win the greatest offseason national championship of all time. Joe Milton's going to be a Heisman contender. They're going to go 12-0. They're definitely not going to lose to Georgia because um, Josh Heupel is going to study film harder or whatever they can rationalize uh, to, to pick that win. No offense, we got some of that around here going into last season that, that State was going to beat Georgia, and we were like, no, they're not. Tennessee fans need somebody to say, no, you're not, but they don't have that person. That Tennessee. That could be Michael Morky. Uh, they, they they sure let me have it, which, again, I appreciate.
2: Yeah. Hunter Columbus says, Tennessee has young coaches. They will be good for a while, I think. I tend to agree with that. We get another one that says baseball 100%. Baseball is the answer because the coach is an insane human being. Yeah, Brad in Burnsville says Tennessee football. That's what's going to come crashing down first. 5 o'clock hour, we'll start things off with you with the college football fix after this.
0: You're hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? what? This is so Awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks as always for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. To find out more about all the Sportsbook has to offer, visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. Subscribe to the Super Talk Mississippi uh, to Super Talk Mississippi News's This Week in Mississippi newsletter and you'll get the news stories that you need to know from the most powerful name in Mississippi news delivered to your email inbox to sign up for free. Go to supertalk.fm slash newsletter. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, you can join us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Cspire.com for the best deals in wireless right here in C Spire country. Sports Talks brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel, Gentile's doing something really cool right now. So as their business grows, we've talked about the golf shirts, and the which technically are polos as opposed to golf shirts, but I say golf shirts because they're great for golf. Orky, uh, Gentile has got a booth that is set up at the PGA Tour show, or the PGA show uh, in Orlando. It's this massive golf sales event. Everything you can imagine, apparel, apparel, Equipment, uh, gadgets and devices—you know, TrackMan setups. Anybody that buys for golf goes there, and and they shop and they order and they visit brands and whatever. First time that Gentile has been at the PGA Tour, uh, or sorry, the PGA Show in Orlando. So uh, continuing to grow. In Will that my vest be there?
4: Footprint. Am I going to have to go to Orlando to get that?
2: No, 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 it's in a, a plastic wrapping <laughs> in uh, in the corner of my office on the floor. It looks okay. fantastic, too. Uh, I bet. I want a vest. All nice nice, and plastic. That'll be puffy when you take it out. It's good to know when I take yeah. it out next winter by the time I get it. Well, why don't you come get it, then? <laughs> I'll leave a key uh, out for you. You can, you can come in and get it. Uh, anyway. Uh, we'll, we'll be in Oxford
3: the, in a few weeks. You can get it done.
2: The official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Visit them online at genteelapparel.com. Uh, Josh and Corinth says that the PGA show is the largest trade show in the world. It, it's massive. Absolutely massive. So good luck to our friends at Genteel. That is a uh, it's a huge deal for them this week. All right, let's jump into the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Visit BuyFordNow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Into their 46th year with F-Series as the best-selling trucks in America, you can best-drive an F-150 today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So, we're going to get into a discussion here in a second, but I was amused by something... On Twitter, Michael Casagrande, very simple yesterday, last night, he he tweeted this question just for responses. Who should Alabama hire as the next offensive coordinator? And I started scrolling through the responses. Some of them are gold. So the, 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 the consensus is Joe Brady. Cliff Kingsbury, Jeff Levy, you know, with those, there are a few of those market downs, Dan Mullen. There were some some Matt Patricias in there. Oh, by the way, Mullen has already made a statement about this.
3: Did Mullen make a statement, or did Chris Lowe make a statement because he talked to people who talked to Mullen?
2: You don't think Chris Lowe talked directly to Dan Mullen about it?
3: that's what i want we can address that because in his tweet he says i talked to sources close to dan mullen dude you work with dan mullen you work for the same place just go down to his office and be like dan interested
4: in the job who are you talking to Uh, that's because he talked to dan mullen yes just say i talked to dan mullen then well it was the same thing with the whole if lane kiffin leaves old miss for auburn it's because old mrs nil is not enough that that Came from one place, one that wasn't sources. Hmm. It's just that's what that's just what you got to do to, you know.
2: In addition to those names that were thrown out, there was also a a pretty common theme. Oh, by the way, Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights was suggested. Uh, what my favorite one was the guy that sits behind me at Bryant Denny. He knows everything. Section G, Row Twenty Four, Seat Sixteen. <laughs> 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 oh, that was pretty good.
4: But that's then there, good
2: were a, there were a bunch that were some version of this. Whomever Saban wants. I have an opinion, but I'm a fan, not a seven time national championship coach. Woo! I trust Coach Saban. Whoever Nick says that we should hire, that's who we should hire. Coach will make the decision.
3: Are we just assuming all these people are rednecks that so we gotta throw this voice on there? There can't be one college-educated guy in the group.
2: Out of those responses? <laughs> Just <laughs> There was one vote for Bobby Boucher. We're
3: going to run a football day, Coach.
2: <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's not bad. Eh? Yeah. Uh, Freddie Kitchens Mr. got Coach a vote. Saban. Will Friend got a vote. Like upset the apple cart. Anyway, I just was uh, I was amused by that.
4: So, um, hey, there are, since we're running up against a hard break, we pick up the real college football fix after. But th- that reminded me of a video I saw earlier today of Jim Bayheim last night, lost another close game. Jim Bayheim, by the way, reportedly makes less than Kermit Davis. How about that? The Syracuse head coach, you know. That guy makes less than the old Miss head basketball coach. There's your random stat of the day. But a student reporter said something along the lines of it his press conference, Coach, you've lost two close games by four. You know What's contributing? Why can't you guys close out games? He ended the press conference and said, No, I'm done, and grabbed his stat sheet and stormed out of the, the press room. And there are some, not all, but there are some Syracuse fans that that defend his actions. Like attacking the reporter for asking a question like that. It feels like we're getting more and more into the fans don't want you to question the coach ever. No matter what. Don't you question him because he's my coach. And if you do, you're wrong.
3: Unless that coach wants to possibly bring Dylan Johnson back. Then you can question him. I speak from experience. Wait, people think Zach Arnett would be wrong to bring Dylan Johnson back? Oh, my God. Huge discussion on the message board. I wouldn't bring him back. These are the same people who were just like, just trust the coaches all the time. Yes.
4: Yes. Hmm. Well, I mean, what? what? I don't know. I, I, no, I, no, I mean, what? No, no. no. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. want. I don't, know. I don't want a good running back on my team. I mean, the only I don't rationale
2: know the, the the only rationale for that that could make any sense to me is that you think Simeon Price is a better running back than Dylan Johnson, and Dylan Johnson returning might take carries away from Simeon Price.
3: As the no, number two, you back. can never have too much depth.
2: I, I agree. Depth. I, I agree, but I mean. I'm saying that's the only way that I can get to that.
4: Yeah. Is there an answer on that yet, by the way? There's not. Okay. They're still waiting. I wonder if those same people would not want him back if it meant him going to Ole Miss. I feel like if that was the destination, their opinion would change on that I don't, either way. But, yeah, yeah, you get that sometimes. It's kind of bizarre to me. I mean, these, these people are making so much money and how dare you question them and what should happen is players should get more scrutiny too Jaden rashada wherever he goes he's not going to get 13 million dollars but he's going to get a lot of money this kid at tennessee the seven and a half million dollar quarterback going to tennessee if he stinks then it shouldn't be treated with kid gloves like college players have been treated before we talked about this a little bit in the past but If you've got players making more than most people listening to this, then they shouldn't be treated with kid gloves anymore. The the scrutiny should be higher. The, The scrutiny on Lane Kiffin, for example, should be much higher. If they go out and lose a game and they don't play well, it should be worse considering his now inflated income. But you've got people that will. How dare you? Don't question him. He knows more than you. I'm sure. I'm sure he does. But he also cashes checks that are a lot bigger than mine, and yours.
2: John Gruden for Bama's OC. That's on the C Spire text line.
3: Nick, we're going Spider Two Y Banana.
2: Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We will get into Michael Borky's college football fix on the other side of this timeout.
0: Check this out. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi.
2: With you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. So, Michael Borky came up with a question today for the college football fix. And yeah. that question, Michael Borke, is... So, I need
4: two each. Two each. Uh, and it's kind of your perception of where these teams are. But give me two college football programs that are primed to take a step forward in tier, or however you want to describe it. Primed to take a big step forward. Not... For a season, I mean as a program, taking a step forward, and who do you think is going to be taking a step backward? Two each. Two forward, two backwards. Wait, we're, we're not saying specific to the SEC? Anywhere in college football. Ooh. One of mine, um, well, both of my forwards are not in the SEC. You know one of my backwards already, and one of my backwards is in the SEC. Hmm.
2: See, I was thinking about this from an SEC perspective only. I did not give this as much thought as I should have from a national perspective. My first, my first SEC step forward in terms of tier is Tennessee. Now, all jokes about Tennessee fans aside, and where Tennessee fans believe they have been or believe they should be, Tennessee has been in a different place since the mid two thousands. There have been upticks in the like craters. Josh Heupel's first year was was good. And it set really high expectations. And this past year they were Am I overstating it if I say they were a Hendon Hooker injury from being in the playoff?
3: Mm yeah. Because they were down 18 to South Carolina when he got hurt.
2: <sighs> yeah, I guess so.
3: Again, but, I mean, that's that's an outlier game. I mean, that they just played poorly at the worst possible time.
2: It happened. 11-2, Josh Heupel, a lot of excitement, all the resources in the world, fully bought in in terms of NIL. I think Tennessee is in the process of taking a step forward into that next tier. Does that mean they're on the same level with Alabama and Georgia? No. But but I think they're into that second group that includes, mm, well, Another team that I think is taking a step in the process of taking a step forward as well, and that's LSU. Mm-hmm. Now, 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 in fairness, we're talking about one year off, right? Well, that's I mean, the they and I, I know, I know, I know. So I'm, I'm, this is very micro. This is not like big macro. I understand that LSU has been one of the nation's elite, and they've won three national championships since two thousand four, two thousand four. I, I get that. But they went from the highest of high to the lowest of low in less than a season. And I think they are taking a step back to that sustainability with Brian Kelly.
3: I mean, I would just say they, they got rid of the wrong coach and got the right coach, and they were immediately good again. Okay. That's how I would look at it. So, right. I mean, that's, so that's what an elite program can do. They are an elite program.
2: But Tennessee was at one point an elite program, and they made a series of bad hires. It was once they it finally got it hires. right in terms of head Look coach and administration that they are quickly turning it around. Yeah. Yeah. So you will accept Tennessee as an answer. You will not accept LSU as a because step they have been down tier. for
3: so long. <laughs> I will because they've been down for so long. LSU had the greatest college football team in the history of the sport three years ago. Yeah.
4: I, yes, I'm aware. Okay. I don't remember Tennessee's national championship. It was that long ago. Yeah, so I do. My I first do. one is Oregon. I think Oregon is, is uh, despite having a playoff appearance and despite being ranked and stuff like that, I think that they are set to make a jump from being what they have been to national contender competing in the playoff, possibly winning a championship if the season is right, landing despite that ridiculous tattoo that he just got is is a heck of a coach and a really good recruiter, and they're building an SEC, a Georgia caliber, maybe a step below because it's not as deep. But they're getting Georgia talent at Oregon. They're getting Alabama talent at, at Oregon, especially on the lines of scrimmage where you know, despite the changes in philosophy, games are won and lost. I mean, Will Muschamp said it right after the game against TCU. How do, how are you able to do that? Set up front. That's how. That's how we're winning games. Is is up front. Oregon's doing the same thing, and they're going to have an easier road to get there. More often playing in the depleted Pac-12 without USC in there. So I think Oregon's path is getting easier, and I think their roster is getting better, and their coach is primed to take them to that next level to compete for championships. Truly compete for championships on an annual basis.
2: Okay, give me one. Hey, Dad.
3: Wisconsin. Ooh, I think that I think that Luke Fickle brings the modern offense to Wisconsin for the first time ever. And you know it, we we've been saying that he's a great coach, that he's the kind of coach who can who can win at big schools. I think that's the truth. I think he'll modernize Wisconsin. He'll get them recruiting at a higher level, uh, and he'll have them right there. You know, uh, just a shade below Ohio State and uh, and Michigan.
2: All right, so, so I, I agree with you guys. I'm going to scratch LSU. That, that, that didn't make sense in the, this context. I got two teams from the Pac-12, though. They're not moving to the same tier, but they're both moving up a tier. You may laugh at one of them, but Southern Cal has been performing below its capabilities it's
3: the same since, as Pete, since
4: Pete Carroll left. I mean, same as Tennessee. Don't have a playoff appearance in the era. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. played for a national championship in 2009 and got beat. That's plenty of time.
2: You know, will, will Lincoln Riley be able to win the big game? I don't know. Kind of, he was great, but not exceptional at Oklahoma individual, exceptional, individuals were exceptional, but not the entire team. I think there's just so much available to him at Southern Cal that they are in the process of taking a step forward. Now, what's that going to look like in transitioning to the Big Ten? Hmm, I don't know. We'll see. The other program in the uh, the Pac-12, I was so impressed with what Kalen DeBoer did in his first year as the head coach at Washington. And I think Washington is in the process of taking a step forward. Now, are they moving into that elite level? Nah, probably not. But I think they are moving to the head of the class in the Pac-12 with Southern Cal on the way out the door.
4: Who's your second, Borky? It was Wisconsin, actually. So I'll throw a, a curveball because everything Had hey said is right. Wisconsin has been so solid. They've got so much going for them. But now that they've modernized offense and they're already recruiting skill positions better than they have, that I can remember, anyway... Uh, they're going to take a step up and, and be competitive like that. How about TCU, though? I know they lose their offensive coordinator and they replaced him with Kendall Bryles, but they're portaling well. The Big 12 is you know, getting... Texas hadn't been good in a long time, but in terms of resources, they don't have such an uphill climb with the top tier of their conference anymore starting you know, a year from now. I think they've got a chance to take a step forward. Are they going to go to the national championship every year? No. They may not ever again. But I do think TCU is going to be more respected as a national brand and football team with good players moving forward. They've got the infrastructure to continue being what they were this year, just maybe not making the championship anymore. You got a second one, Hayden?
3: Well, we had Tennessee, we had Southern Cal. Let's bring back all the glory days. Florida State. it's a good one. Feel, I feel like Norvell got things going in the right direction. Next year, be a test year for them because everybody's going to be gunning for them. They're going to have a lot of preseason expectations. But if they deliver on that, I mean, especially with Florida down right now and Miami, I don't know what's going on there for real, you know. So it feels like Florida State can, can maybe take advantage and become that dominant program in the state of Florida again.
2: All right, so those are your step-forward teams in terms of tier. What about your teams that are taking a step back? We will explore some of those. I got a good guess as to who one of Michael Borkies is going to be. The other one might surprise you, though, and it pains me to say it, but the other one surprises. might surprise okay. you. We'll take a look at that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. A couple of people asking about Colorado and whether or not we think uh, we're buying into them. Uh, Colorado was one eleven last year. Uh, that certainly is as uh, a team that could take a step forward. Will it be consistent? I don't know. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: Mm, from the flatlands of mississippi sports talk mississippi every minute worth waiting for super talk mississippi
2: All right, so the conversation is college football programs that are taking a step forward in terms of tier, whether they are on the cusp of being elite and they're taking that next step into the truly elite, whether they are middle of the road and they're taking that step forward to really, really good, whether they've been garbage and they are taking the step toward respectability. All of those options are on the table. You sent us some of yours We'll get to those on the ceasefire text line in a bit, and we'll also transition to programs that are primed to take a step backward in tier. I have two slam dunks, I think. But Borky, go ahead and lead us off with uh, the one that we know you're going to give us.
4: Yeah, Clemson for obvious reasons, so we can even. Oh, I didn't think. That. Oh, what? somebody on the text line said Arkansas. How, how I much... thought you? Were, I thought you were going Arkansas. Yeah, but I mean, they're already kind of. Far back. I mean, how much further back can they step? Anyway. Uh, Ask Chad Morris. Well, true. I mean, they can get worse. I don't expect them to get that bad. Uh, Florida. I think Florida, or at least the perception of Florida, is that, that they should be and are a team or a program that can and will compete for titles on an annual basis. Maybe they should be able to do that, considering their location, but... Look, winning college football games is all about getting players, right? It's all it's about. Get players. Like I said, and I'll say it again, Kirby Smart wasn't winning a national championship with Wake Forest players. Well, Florida, I don't know if you noticed, suffered a massive setback in the most important thing when it comes to acquiring players. They don't have enough money. And when you operate in the SEC East with Georgia and Tennessee and and Auburn's back to being committed again before they do whatever they do and Florida State is now majorly on the rise in recruiting and Miami is throwing money all over the place and Clemson's dipping down into your state and getting whoever they want whenever they want, Florida's got an uphill climb to field a roster that's competitive and it's a climb that I don't think they're going to make. I love Billy Napier. I respect him. Their quarterback room at the moment is a disaster, comparatively speaking. And I think they're about to take a step back. People that are going to spend the offseason trying to convince you that Florida's going to be a contender next year are wrong. They're more likely to replicate a 6-6 six and six than go 9-3. and three. So Florida, I think, is going to take a step back. Okay. Hey, Dan? Florida.
2: Florida
3: was my pick too. I mean, the, the the rest of the East is kind of on an upswing right now, right? Georgia's the best team in the country. Tennessee looks like they're elite again. South Carolina's improving. Kentucky has become a pretty solid program year in and year out. They're not they're not an, they're not an automatic win for Florida anymore. Even Vanderbilt and Missouri are, are competitive. And then you have Florida, and I liked Napier and I thought that was a good hire, but the early returns are not very promising. Bork, you mentioned recruiting. It's just not good there for whatever reason. Florida is a program that should be on the elite tier. They should be a year-in, year-out national championship contender. But they're not going to be for a long time, the way things are going right now.
2: Since the year 2000, this program has been elite. Its former head coach won, starting in 2000, 13, 11, 12, 12, 12, 8, followed that up with 11, 11, 12, 8, followed it up with 12, 10, 10, 11, 1, 8, followed it up with 11 and 11. And then he handed the reins to another coach who won 12, 12, 12, 9 in a pandemic-shortened season, and then 10 before he took another job. That program is Oklahoma. Brent Venables, in his first year, went 6-7. and seven. In two years, Oklahoma is joining the Southeastern Conference. Do I think that Oklahoma is going to be a team that regularly finishes at 6-6 six six or 6-7 six just because they join the SEC? No, I don't. But I also don't think that they're going to be a team that averages 10 to 12 wins per year over the course of two decades. Oklahoma, as a program... As in the process of taking a step back from the tier in which they have been competing to more of a good but not great tier, I feel good about that one. You got a second one, uh, Borky? You, you burned your your two. I did. All right, so here's my other one. This program, under its previous head coach in 2017, went four and eight. And then they went 11 and 2, 11 and 3, 9 and 1, 13 and 1, and then won nine games this year. Cincinnati is in the process of taking a step back. Luke Fickle built that program to where it was one of the nation's really, really good programs. And when you couple that with the fact that Cincinnati is making a move from the American Conference to the Big 12, And, yes, I know Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. But, boys, we watched a Big 12. It was a good football conference this year. I mean, Oklahoma was middle of the pack and Texas was average. TCU played for a national championship. (laughs) Baylor's got Dave Aranda. Kansas State's got it rolling in the right direction. Kansas is better than they've been since, what, Mark Mangino? Yeah. Iowa State took a step back this year as Brock Purdy went to the NFL. I don't know that we're ready to count Matt Campbell out just quite yet. Texas Tech's building in the right direction. Saw that in the bowl game. It is a more difficult league across the board. Cincinnati's taking a step back. Those are my two.
3: Oklahoma was my other one.
2: Well, you didn't have all that information right there at the holster ready to go. Or maybe you did.
3: didn't need it. I didn't need it. I didn't. I, I mean, it's... It's pretty obvious with Venables. I mean, there are some programs where, especially in year one, right? I understand they lost Caleb Williams, but they still had plenty of talent. There's no reason to go 6-6 six and six in year one coming off of the run Lincoln Riley had. It not, it's just, that, that, that is a huge red flag that you don't have the right coach.
2: C Spire text line. Hunter says, I like the Oklahoma pick. Here's one. Kentucky went seven and six. The quarterback that was supposedly a top five pick, they will take a step back. They did reacquire Liam Cohen as their offensive coordinator. Yeah,
3: they were six and seven. I mean, they're not going to be four and eight next year. I bet.
4: Uh, great minds think alike. Borky.
2: Kentucky
4: Kentucky's- got better at quarterback losing a alleged top ten pick with Leary coming in. Yeah.
2: Jason lives in Arizona and listens daily. So he's a little more locked into the Pac-12. He has been a big Jed Fish fan. He says that Arizona's got something special with Jed Fish. Don't know how far they'll go, but they're definitely on the right track with Jaden DeLauro at quarterback. So, uh, I mean, from where they were a couple of years ago, Arizona moving up a tier, much that's not crazy at all. Much better. And on Mississippi State schedule in Starkville next year. Uh, Borky, somebody says, so Florida is different from Arkansas how?
4: Florida has recently competed and won national championships. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of confused at the question, honestly. I mean, Florida is yeah, I don't... much more looked at nationally as, as a program that's elite. Arkansas hasn't been anything close to that in my lifetime.
3: Florida was in the playoff discussion in 2020.
4: They were a thrown shoe away from making it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it would okay. have to be Alabama, but still.
2: Bobby and Batesville says, I will repost my. He says Auburn because Freeze wins game no matter his call history and TCU because look at the last time they were in contention for and played on a national championship. Okay, I'll wait. He also said TCU is Ole Miss slash Mississippi State if Alabama and LSU were leaving the SEC.
4: Does nobody remember what happened in 2016 at Ole Miss? Does, does nobody remember what happened to that football team? Why do people forget that? Blows my mind. Why do people forget what happened in the 2016 season? You, you don't. You can't blame the NCAA for that. He lost the team, and they lost a lot of games. That was not NCAA. That wasn't call logs. That was... His shtick ran thin, quickly. It's a shame he didn't get to coach the 2017 team, and Matt Luke had to take all those body blows for a bad team that Hugh Freeze built. No. He took over in, what, July? And, my gosh, they won six games, which was an incredible coaching job. From Matt Luke to keep them motivated. That team would have been worse had the status quo stuck around. Guys were leaving. Morale was low. Now, What you Lu- just said is true. Yeah.
2: All of it. You can jump in and be a part of the conversation as we uh, wrap things up, if you'd like, on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. You can find the full calendar of events and also kind of plan your weekend. If you're coming to take a trip, links to restaurants and things to do, be sure to follow them on all of their social media platforms, that is uh, Visit Oxford MS on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Visit dot com. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll wrap it up with you coming up next.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi continues.
2: Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, one last time with you. I don't know that we've got time to go deep into this right now, but uh, Chris in Forest sends us a message. He says, I'm a first-timer sending you guys a text. Now that Ole Miss has won its first national championship in baseball, do you think the pressure is off a little and they can relax and have more fun chasing another title this year? Yeah, I think it lifts pressure on the program, and that was a pressure that, whether or not it was deserved, whether it was deserved or not, was felt by the guys on the team. It it was not their doing that Ole Miss had come short of program goals a lot over the course of two decades. That wasn't their doing. But people looked at it all as like one big thing. So, yes, now that that cloud has been lifted, they get a second trip to Omaha under Mike Bianco, they carry the trophy off the field at the end. Yeah, it it lifts some pressure. When February 17th rolls around, last year's in the rearview mirror. Nothing that happened in the last five weeks of the season or the last month of the season last year, has any effect on this year's team, other than maybe some external pressure that's gone away. you got to go out and prove it. And he makes a mention of Mississippi State from a year ago. Same thing with Mississippi State. I mean, Chris Lamonis would be the first to tell you going into the year, that was last year, we got to start over. And they did have to start over. And it didn't go well. Largely because of just massive injuries to the pitching staff. But there was more to it than just that. They didn't play well. They didn't get clutch hits. They didn't make the plays that they needed to make in in big moments along the way, and they had a depleted pitching staff because of injury. So you got to catch some breaks. You got to be healthy. You got to play well. But yeah, I do think there's some external pressure that is lifted. Does that change the style? I don't know. Does it change the way that Mike Bianco coaches? I, I don't know the answer to that. We'll see. We're not going to have to wait too terribly much longer. We could dive deeper into this tomorrow. But I do think it's worth a mention on the way out the door. Maybe give you something to uh, chew on a little bit as you're sitting at your desk at work tomorrow if you're on your way home now. Mel Kuyper, Borky. NFL Mock Draft 1.0.
4: 1.0. All I'll say is, as a Saints fan, I hope He's right. Because Anthony Richardson going to the Carolina Panthers guarantees two wins in the division for the foreseeable future. He's got the
2: Bears staying at number one and taking Jalen Carter out of Georgia. Be hard to argue with that pick, by the way, if that's what Chicago does. You can think that maybe Chicago should trade out of that, and whatever.
4: Jalen Carter's really good. You gotta find out how desperate somebody is to get. Uh, like a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young. If you can get an extra pick then
2: move out of that. How about four quarterbacks in the top 9? CJ Stroud at 2 to Houston, Bryce Young at 4 to Indianapolis, Will Levis at 5 to Seattle, Anthony Richardson at 9 to
4: Carolina. Right now, who'd you rather have quarterback your team? Who is going who do you think is going to win you a game? In 2023, Will Levis or Geno Smith? Geno Smith. Geno Smith just took him to the playoffs. That was a team that was intentionally trying to lose, and he refused to let them lose. And instead of you know, maybe getting defensive lineman or an end or a running, uh, not a running back, a second round, or another wide receiver or offensive line help, you're going to get a quarterback that won't help you next year. Why would you do that? He may not help you ever. Why would you do that? Because you don't have
2: to start him next year, possibly. And you believe in you believe in the skill set. I mean that that would be the reason. It's crazy.
4: You've got a chance to win.
2: Will Levis is either going to prove a ton of people wrong or a ton of people right. But whether
0: there's you believe in either.
2: no, there's really not.
3: Either, either either, the GM who hires him is either going to be a genius and win Super Bowls, or he's going to get fired within two years.
2: Hey, Dad, I'm not even talking about the GM level. I'm talking about all of us. Huh. All the people that watch college football yeah. are like, that oh, guy yeah. can't play quarterback. He's yeah, not I'm, good enough. Yeah, I'm
3: wrong all the
4: time, though. I don't care. <laughs> I yeah.
3: I had the quote from from Moneyball in my head. So I just have to play it around a little bit. But it's like, if he's a good player, why don't he play good?
2: Yeah. Um. Guys like Mel Kiper, all the NFL Network guys, all these people that are doing mock drafts that we are going to see until we can't see straight between now and, what, the third weekend in April, they're not all just making it up with Will Levis. They are projecting Will Levis top five, top ten, certainly first round because of what they are hearing from player personnel people with NFL teams because of what they're hearing from head coaches and general managers. It's not just, oh, we love the guy. Thanks for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Good night.